Well, good morning. So good to see you all this morning and great to have an opportunity to be a part of this series called The Path that was started last week by our lead pastor, Donnie Williams, when he talked about wisdom. And that's what we're talking about, wisdom. How do we get it? Where can we read about it? There's this great book in the Bible, in the Old Testament, called Proverbs, and it talks all about wisdom. It, it, it helps us to understand what it is, how to get it and how important it is to apply to our lives. So that's what we've been talking about. And Proverbs is, um, well, it's an interesting book. It's almost like a hard book to teach from because it's like so obvious. It's so blatant in how it presents itself. It's like, if you do this, this will happen, and this is the way you will be going. And if you do this, this is what will happen, and this is the way you are going. It's kind of an apples to apples. This is the path of wisdom, and this is the path of the path that we're gonna talk about today, the path of folly. And so it's kind of hard to teach on a little bit because it's kind of like, this is the smart path. This is the stop doing dumb stuff path. You're welcome. Go home. Goodbye. Have a great day, right? But I'm going to try today to dissect uh, one of these chapters. And, and in doing so, in studying and getting ready for this week, this uh, message today, I've been excited about sharing with you because I've just kind of uncovered or found some things myself that, that I didn't know were there that just kind of helped me realize how important uh, the path of wisdom is. And so uh, first, before we do that, I want to tell you about the book of Proverbs and what it says about itself, okay? So I keep telling you it's a book of wisdom, but it says what it's for in its own words, okay? It says this in Proverbs 1, uh, verse 1 and 2. It says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. So there in its own words, that's what this book is for, okay? Now, as uh, usual, per usual, um, an intro to a message would be me telling you some funny story to get you to know that I'm a real guy, the story may or may not have happened, <laughs> right? And, uh, and then I, you know, I, I just kind of get you loosened up and things like that. But there's so much good stuff that I just, you know, want to, can we just, let me just tell you the end of the story, okay? I'll just make up something random. Um, and then we'll just kind of, this is the end of the intro. Um, and then she says to me, oh, I thought that you wanted a chocolate pinwheel. And then... I, I brought my own laugh track in case you forgot to laugh. <laughs> there we go. All right, there we go. Excellent. Okay, there. We skipped the intro because there's so much good stuff here. We want to get right to it, okay? We're going to read from Proverbs 9. And before we do, I want to get a Bible into your hands if you don't have one. The ushers are coming down the aisle. And it's important, if you can, to have it in front of you today. It will be on the screens. But as we refer back to it um, often throughout this uh, day, uh, if you don't have a Bible, please take one home with you. If you uh, have, um, if you don't, like I said, if you don't have one, we believe that that book can lead you not only into a path of wisdom, but that path of wisdom will lead you to Christ who, uh, who will change your life and uh, you will find purpose and meaning in life through him. So take one of those with you or you might have your phone. You can scroll along today uh, with us or, or, or however you choose. But we're gonna dive right in, Proverbs 9. Okay, what we're gonna see is we're gonna see a picture this morning of the two paths. And these two paths take on a persona this morning in the way that Solomon writes this proverb, okay? And what I mean by that is that it takes on a, a personality, okay? So we have she, and of course it doesn't indicate a gender, it's just kind of like a ship, right? We say, 
Arr. She's a fine ship, she is. Yes, a vessel of the sea, you know. So if it helps, uh, you can read in your mind in a pirate voice while we read this, okay? If that helps. In your mind. Keep it inside. Wisdom, <clears throat> excuse me. Wisdom has built her house. This is chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wines, and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city, Come with me. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, Come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Learn to use good judgment. Okay, so there's the, there's the voice of wisdom. Now, if you just skip a few verses down, we're going to hit right on to uh, verse 13 so that we can see an apples-to-apples apples comparison of what folly is like. The woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. And I just love that. Every time I read that, I smile. <clears throat> she is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best. But little do they know that the dead are there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. So the first thing we notice is that the chapter doesn't go on. Chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12 does not talk about a third path. Rather, There is no sometimes path. There is no mediocre path. There is no sometimes path. It is the path of folly, the path of wisdom. Those are the only two compared, and that's something to note right off the bat. So first we have the path of wisdom. Let's talk about it, break it down a little bit. Um, she, might as well have a, have a name, right? She, instead of she, let's have um, Wanda. How's Wanda sound? Wanda Wisdom, okay? Uh, I, there's a lady named Wanda that took care of me when I was young, and I'm very fond of Wanda, so um, we will we'll call Wanda Wisdom. Okay, let's, let's see uh, some, some things about Wanda. First of all, she is a go-getter. She has made her own home. She made her home. Not only that, but she has carved out columns in her home. Columns, people. Columns, right? Are we, if you go somewhere and you see columns, are we not impressed, right? I'm like, I didn't know they were doing that well. They've got like four columns. Wow. <laughs> this is a nice place, right? Columns. Now, columns... You wouldn't think mean anything, but we want to look at the number of columns, okay? There are no accidents in the Bible when it comes to numbers. And how many columns are there? Seven. Very good. There are seven columns, and seven is a very significant number in the Bible. Sometimes it's called the perfect number. It is referred to over and over. And there are other places when we can kind of pick out seven things here and seven things here. Whether it's, it's, it's written the number seven or not, we go, oh, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those things. There's a place in Isaiah where there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things that are mentioned in a verse in Isaiah. And what's really cool about this, Isaiah came later, he's a prophet, and um, he's actually prophesying about Jesus Christ. And it says this in Isaiah... 11, 1 through 2. I'll see if we can dig out some nuggets here from this 
verse. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a brand new branch, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now, the first thing it says is the spirit of wisdom. So when we start to look at the seven things, and you might go, wait a second, there are six. I just counted, one, two, three, four, five, six. Now, in the early Greek version, uh, there, there was, there was uh, the, the last verse was broken down into two. So, so ancient kind of study of this would, would reveal two separate things in the last, the fear of the Lord. There was one before that, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But these seven things are noticeable right away because they have to do with wisdom and knowledge, just like the book of Proverbs. So that's what I want to talk about for just a moment is each one of these things and their significance. And you can think of these as these amazing columns that Wanda has made herself and support her home, right? That's what columns do. They support the home. The first, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, and I'll give you a little bit of application for each one. The first is the spirit of wisdom, okay? The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom is applying knowledge to make the right decision. The one that honors God, the God-honoring decision, that is what we are after when we're after wisdom, okay? Number two, the spirit of understanding. The spirit of understanding. This is, goes the next step, not just receiving wisdom, but it helps us understand the why, okay? The why behind the decision, the why behind why that decision is right, okay? That's the spirit of understanding. I like that one. The spirit of counsel is next, number three. The Holy Spirit is actually referred to as, in, in different parts of the Bible, as our counselor, right? And who's the best counselor? Like if you had a high school counselor that you really liked, maybe some of you did, um, I didn't know mine too well, and she didn't know me too well. So she wasn't a great counselor. However, what is the best counselor? The one who knows you. The one who knows your past. The one who knows your interest. The ones who know you best. And I'm here to tell you, folks, there is no one that knows you better than Christ, than Jesus, than God. He knows you inside and out. If there were a trivia pursuit game and it was all about you, about your life, and it was you against God, God's going to win, okay? When the question comes up, who did you go to prom with? You're like, oh, I know that one. And God's like, yeah, but I know what he was thinking. <laughs> okay, so there's like, right? Oh, I didn't know that, right? So there's that whole other level. Jesus knows you. He is your counselor, the spirit of counsel. I love it. I love it. Okay, the, the next one, the spirit of might. This one's great. The spirit of might is what gives you the courage to actually follow through with these decisions to be made. Because when you make the wise choice, I got news for you, most of the time, a lot of the time, especially as culture goes on and as history moves on, it is a more and more difficult choice to make because it's not the popular choice. So the spirit of, um, spirit of might gives you that courage, and we could call it the spirit of courage. Okay, next, the spirit of knowledge. 
the spirit of knowledge. Now, this is actually taking exactly what it sounds like, knowledge, like two plus two equals four, but it's applying it to the path of wisdom that if I do this over and over again, I get these results. In fact, it comes from the Greek word scientiae, scientiae, which is spelled S-C-I-E-N. Do I need to continue? What's the word we get out of it? Science, correct. Science, right. So, scientiae, or the knowledge, the knowing, the putting two to two together. Oh, if I do this, I get this. If I do this result, I get this. That is the spirit of knowledge. Next is the spirit. Uh, this is the one that's broken down into two in the Greek. And this one is the spirit of piety. Now, that sounds a little bit uppity, doesn't it? Like we're looking down our, no our noses at people like, I am so pious and you are not. God loves me more and he loves you less. That's not what this is. Piety is really just godliness or holiness. And in the, in the Bible, God says to us, be holy as I am holy. And we think, ha, yeah, right, impossible. But he wouldn't ask us to do it if it weren't possible. He gives us his spirit, the spirit of piety, to be holy, to be godly, to make wise choices, and to imitate him, okay? The last is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now, Donnie talked about this last week, that the fear of, of the Lord is not like that he might smite me, that I might be smitened at once, right? Because he's mad at me because I did something wrong. Bang, zap, pow, cloud of smoke, me gone. That's not what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is just the awe and wonder, the amazement, the, the just plain God is sovereign, I am not. He knows all, has all in his hands, and I do not. It's that holy awe of God that is the fear of the Lord. And Proverbs starts with that. Proverbs 1.7 says this, and Donnie had read this last week, I believe. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Important to remember. Now, let's move on. Wanda is not only an amazing housemaker, and when I say that, I don't just mean like housemaker, like she does stuff. She built her house. Columns, people, remember? Columns. She's a, okay. She is also an amazing cook. Now, that is a ridiculously large piece of meat on my plate. You can't see it from over here, can you? It's ginormous. And I thought, well, I could cut that down and put a smaller piece of meat on there. And then I thought, nope. I think this represents God's desire to give us knowledge. He's got a lot waiting for us, right? He'll give it to us a morsel at a time, but it's never ending. It won't end. We can sit at this table forever and gain knowledge from God, gain knowledge from Christ over and over again. But he sets the table, and Wanda says, it says, Wanda sets the table. She sets the table. She's pressed the wine. Oh, I brought some um, weeds for those of you who are vegetarian. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Um, but um, um, the, some versions, some, some translations of the Bible do say meat, that she's prepared the meat. Okay? Got some bread, got some carrots. It looked better the first service. It's a little, dry, a little dry now. But nonetheless, it's good for me, and it's actually still quite good. This will be um, 
grilled cheese and uh, roast beef sandwiches later on. And if you've never had one, I just would highly recommend it. If you have any roast beef later or leftover from a dinner, put it in a grilled cheese sandwich. It is kind of dry. <laughs> Uh-oh. Mm. Sorry about this. It is, it's quite a bit drier than it was the, the first service. I'll tell you a funny story while I choke this down. My older brother, Mike, when he was younger, he used to, um, when they had roast on Sundays, this is a story they told me because he's a bit older than me, but he would just, he would eat his roast beef and then chew it all afternoon. <laughs> then at Sunday night service, when they went to church, back to church on Sunday night, they used to do that back in the old days. Um, when they went back, he was still chewing his meat. My mom thought he had gum in his mouth and she's like, you spit that gum out. We're, we're going to church. And he'd spit it out. It was a wad of roast beef. Mm. That is a true story, and that is funny. And um, so here we have, now Wanda has prepared this meal. She has pressed her wine, okay? She has made this meat, and she calls out to you and invites you in. She invites you to partake of this with her, and let's see who she's calling to. She's calling to everyone, everyone who will listen. And not only does she call to you from the height of the city, she also sends out her servants, a personal invite, a knock on your door to say, come, come and eat. Come and share this meal with me. Do you know who invites you over to their house for a meal? Do you know when you invite someone over what it's all about? It's no different in their culture than it is in ours. You want to get to know someone, right? You want to hear from them. You want to learn who they are. You want to share with them. It's no different with God. He invites you to his table so that you can get to know him. He invites you to his table so that he can get to know you. Like, he already knows you, but he wants to hear from your heart, okay? He wants to hear from you. And he wants you to join him for this meal. And that's what... what what Wanda Wisdom is doing. She's calling you, inviting you as a friend into her home to eat with her. She's given you a personal invitation with the knock on that door, okay? Now, remember who she's calling, everyone. But it says specifically, it says, leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Now, what did you just call me? Mm-mm. You call me simple? I'm a simple-minded person? You told me I, I need to leave the, the, the ways behind that are leading to death. You're assuming that I'm dead inside. That is offensive, isn't it? Now, we could either have that response that I'm offended that you would call me that, or we could own that, that I've done my own thing, that I've gone my own way, that I'm not obedient by nature, that I need, I need that call. And when I hear that call, if I own that I'm a wanderer at times, then I have a place here. But if I don't even get to that point and I get offended that you're calling me simple, you say I'm stupid, you think I'm dumb, right? Then I'm not going to be, I'm not even going to approach her table, all right? Now let's look at the other, okay? Let's look at um, folly. We need a name for folly. Um, Fanny. Fanny Folly, okay? So Fanny Folly, let's read about her again. Let's just get a review again of, 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 of Folly. Uh, 13, 19, 9, 13. The woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. 
She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best. But little do they know that the dead are there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. Okay, so first we get a sense of her personality. Okay, she sounds lovely, doesn't she? (laughs) She's brash. And I love this part. She's ignorant and doesn't know it. Okay? Now, other versions say that she's loud or unruly. Other translations, those are words that describe her. They're not really um, attractive, if you will. But notice who she calls out to. She calls out to the same people as wisdom is calling. She's at the same place, the height of the city. All right? Now, she doesn't have any servants to send out, and I think there's a reason for that, and we might get to that later. But she calls from the same place. She calls the same people. But then it changes the wording a little bit. And she says, it says this. <clears throat> she calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Now, when you're minding your own business, you don't think you're on either path, right? <clears throat> you think you're on that third path that I mentioned does not exist. The path of just minding my own business. This path of sometimes, this, the path of maybe the path of indifference, right? But when we're on that path and we hear the voice and we look up just for a moment, you know, none of us set out to be broke. None of us set out to be divorced. None of us set out to be addicted. None of us set out to have the struggles in life that we have. We never said, this is my goal in life. In fact, we probably thought we were just minding our own business. But that's the problem sometimes when we don't have intention at all, right? We are easily attracted to what? Well, here's the thing. When Wanda calls, and she calls me simple, and even wisdom calls me simple, and folly calls me simple, then I have to look at the Proverbs and say, what does that mean? Okay, so there's three main categories that the Proverbs talks about for people who are on the path of folly. The first is just that, simple. And here's what simple means. Okay, here's some examples. You can write them down. A simple person is perpetually open and uncommitted. They're naive. They go with the flow. Wherever the wind blows, they're gullible. They don't see a connection between actions and consequences. Okay? So they just have not put that together. They haven't put their actions and consequences together. They're simple-minded. It would be like if if you said, I'm going to eat donuts and chocolate milk every day for every meal. And as you grow, you're just like, I don't feel it. I don't like, what what are you talking about? I'm just, uh, 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 have another donut, right? You're just in this clueless state. But it will catch up with you whether you realize it or not. There's this physical law, right? Whereas we eat donuts and chocolate milk every day, then there's going to be effects on our body. And there's this spiritual law as well, that if we go down this path and every day we just live in this simple-minded way of, I'm not even aware of the consequences, it will catch up to us, just like our bodies will catch up to us 
In 2013, there's this movie called Spring Breakers. I have not seen the movie, but the premise is these girls go on spring break. And here's what's interesting. The girls in the movie are actually these actresses that used to be on these Disney shows when they were younger. So, of course, that's a whole awesome model right there, right? Uh-huh. Uh, hooray, Disney Channel. Um, so, so these spring breakers go, and they just get into all kinds of illegal activity, and just it's crazy, crazy, crazy. And um, here's what one of the actresses said about making that movie. She said, it's so liberating to play characters who are so extremely present. They don't think about consequences. They're just living. Cue music. Ah, right? They're just living. It's so exciting. Of course it is. You know why? Because you're going to your trailer in five minutes as soon as the scene is done. You're walking into your trailer and you're not reaping the consequences of what that were to, if that were to be real life for you. Okay, now, number two. Let's go to number two, the fool. The fool is mentioned several times in Proverbs, and it says it, this person is stubborn, self-sufficient, self-reliant. They always have an excuse, and nothing is ever their fault. So where the simple doesn't even calculate the consequences, the fool understands there are consequences, but decides to ignore them. I'm not going to think about it. Okay, I know what's happening right now. You're thinking of someone else, <laughs> right? Uh-huh, they're just like that. All right? Be careful. Be careful. Focus here. Focus. Okay? We can so easily think of somebody else when we think of the fool. Yeah, they don't take instruction. They don't listen to anybody. They're just doing their own thing, right? But they know there are consequences. They refuse to think about the consequences, Okay? Now, their motto could be, I know what will happen if I choose this, get in this car, click on this site, go to that party, text this person back, walk over to their cube, eat this, buy this, but I'm not going to think about it. That's the fool, okay? Now, fools are very good sometimes at making themselves sound okay, like this, this behavior is okay. In fact, they might say, well, I'm a very direct person, right? Someone who doesn't take opinions of others, I'm a very direct person. Proverbs has something to say about that. Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Careful. You're thinking of that person again. Stop it. <laughs> right? So, that's a fool. All right, last one, the scoffer. Now, the scoffer is mentioned several times in the book of Proverbs. Another name for him is a mocker or a scorner. They are aggressive, calculating, they don't need opinions from others. They never receive correction. And they seek to use others to get their way. So whereas a fool, like they're like the hardened fool. They're the version of the hardened fool where the scoffer just says, you know what? Not only do I know there are consequences, not only do I know they're going to catch me down the road, I don't care. And I also don't care who else gets hurt by my decisions. I don't care. That is the mocker or the scoffer, okay? Now, here's the thing. This over here, this table over here, this invitation over here, folly would like to turn you into the next level. If you're simple, folly would like to turn you into a fool. You realize the consequences. Oh, I'm getting bigger. I have to eat all these donuts, okay? I realize that. But you know what? I'm not going to think about it. Next level. 
The path of folly would like, if you're a fool, for you to be a scoffer. Not only do I not want to think about the consequences they've caught up to me, I realize them now. Instead of being mournful and sorry and repentant, I don't care. That's where the path of folly wants to take you. And if you are already a mocker, a scoffer, uh, she just wants to have you keep eating, right? Just keep eating. Just stay right here. Keep eating. And what does she offer us? Well, she offers us water. So nice of you. Water. <laughs> what kind of water, though? Can you look real quick at your scripture? Stolen water, okay? Let me move this out of the way a little bit so you can see over here. Stolen water. So she doesn't even have anything to offer you that's hers. She has offered you water that is stolen. There you go. Looks refreshing, doesn't it? Now, what is stolen in our culture? What is stolen in our culture? Everything. You see, Satan is not a creator. Satan is a deceiver. Satan is a manipulator. Satan has a way, a very good way, of taking what God has created for good and manipulating it to make it look refreshing. But you know what it is? It's stolen. Take sex, for example. This gift of God for a husband and wife to come in unity in both physical and spiritual way, manipulated. How? Pick your flavor, right? Today, every single way possible that you can imagine it has been distorted and stolen and rebranded and fed to you like it's okay. Let's take our body image. We are all created different. My shoulders are this wide. I got a friend whose shoulders are that wide, okay? His shoulders, no matter how much he work out, works out or doesn't work out or goes on a diet, are not gonna be this wide, right? You cannot make yourself taller. You cannot make your shoulders wider. Sure, we can... We can go on diets and all these things, but do you see what happened? God has created you a certain way with a certain body type. And what, have, what has Satan done? Oh, let me tell you what you're supposed to look like. I'll tell you what you're supposed to look like. Let me, let me give you this image of what you're supposed to look like. And so for both male and female, we have this ideal, right? And we think, I need to look like that. And the things that we do to get there we're on the path of folly. Why? Because the water has been stolen and made to look refreshing. Let's take endorphins. Let's take our mind for a second. The, things that were, the thing that was created to keep us alive in a stressful situation, these endorphins that go off in a fight or flight situation, we have learned how to manipulate those with drugs, how to make them just come out of our brain like firing like that to give us a high. Stolen water manipulated by Satan manipulated by the path of folly. Now, what does she offer you to eat? So that's what she offers you to drink. What does she offer you to eat? Food, it says food. But some versions say this, bread. That's it, just bread. Not a lot of significance to the bread as much as to where you have to eat it if you're gonna eat over at Folly's house. Do you know where you have to eat it? That's right, in secret, in secret where no one can see, where no one knows, where we can just sit in a corner and eat and just 
be to ourselves. Nobody knows what's going on. Do you have a secret in your life this morning? Like, do you have something in your life that nobody else knows about? Are you sitting at a table for one in the corner, eating from a path of folly because you don't want anyone to know? I just want you to think about that this morning and wrestle with that. This is, this is what we based Vegas on, right? The whole ad campaign for Vegas is this right here, right? Come to Vegas. Why? Because what happens in Vegas? Uh-huh. Right. What happens at the table of folly stays at the table of folly. That's the message folly is giving you. It'll stay there. Don't worry about it. But let's go back over to this table for a second. In fact, I kind of want to just do a little bit of furniture rearranging for a minute and bring this front and center. Because this table right here, this table speaks to you and I this morning. It's voice, same place. It's invitation, a little different. Why? Because God says, Hi, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Anyone who lets me in, I will come in and I will sup with them. You're getting a personal invitation this morning to this path of wisdom. I'm wondering if you will accept, and here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take communion together. We're going to approach this table together. So on the back of your chair, if you're a Christ follower, if you call him your Lord and Savior, if you made a decision for him at the floor uh, in the front row it's at the floor and um, it's behind the in the pockets of the seats and the chairs in front of you if you're a Christ follower I'd ask you just to to peel back that top layer and hold the bread and hold the the juice and we're going to take it in just a minute together but I wonder this morning if you if you feel spiritually dead you know that table, do you remember where that table is when, you, when the lights come on? You know what's all around your feet? It says, the dead are there. The dead are there. And I'm wondering this morning if you feel that way inside sometimes. Like a spiritual zombie. Maybe you followed Christ for a long time. Maybe you don't know Christ and you need to know that you can be alive in Him. But as you come to this table, the other thing I want you to ask yourself is, is not only what do I feel like spiritually inside, but also ask yourself, God, am I coming to this table on Sunday? And every day of the week, I'm over there. But on Sunday, I'm ready. I'm ready to have some communion with you, God. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday comes and that's where I am. Saturday comes and that's where I am. But hey, hey, it's Sunday. I want you to know that there is grace and mercy and forgiveness for that. But that's not how God wants you to live. He wants to give you so much life. He wants to give you so much wisdom and joy and peace in your life and grace and mercy and all those things that you will never want to leave this table. So this morning, Jesus says of himself in John 6, 35, 
He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Will you take with me? Then later in the same verse, he says, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Will you take the cup with me? Would you pray with me, God? You know my heart. God, my desire is to sit at your table and I would pray that you would forgive me for the times when I wander off and for some reason that stolen water, that dry crust of bread looks so tempting. But God, that's all it is. It won't satisfy. I know that. I've experienced that. You've taught me that. God, keep me at your table of wisdom. Keep us all at your table of wisdom. God, may we taste of you in a way that changes us. May we taste of you in a way that keeps us at your table, receiving your wisdom, receiving your grace and mercy, receiving your knowledge, God. I thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins, that we may know you fully. Thank you for knocking on my door. (laughs) pray this in your name. Amen.